there's a lot that goes into us and who we are that shapes the things that we do today. As kids, we are sponges to everything around us. Each conversation, each interaction, are seeds planted within us that grow into the acts that we take and become known by. Our guest today has done something interesting with that idea. Lafayette Barnes is in all ways a child of the culture. As heir to the Washington Informer platform, he is taking an important step to make sure that the voices of our past and our lessons learned are not lost on millennial audiences, but also pushing forward the new ideas of black culture, creativity, and politics in DC today. When you are a part of a family-owned business, you have no choice but to lend your eyes and ears to progressing your family. Today, we're gonna to speak to a man who sees his community's voice as that family-owned business, and now uses the skills and ideas learned to push the culture forward. So y'all we're back. I took a week off. Welcome to Activated the Future of Content. It's your boy Rainier Wolfcastle, aka Moss. It's your boy Oju Baka, aka the Hair Naughty Dad Body. Uh, we're back today. Uh, kicking it with a, a brother that um, I've been so look, I've been following I've seen this man around DC for like 10 years. Mm -hmm. And like he be riding a bike. I see him on Howard's campus, and I'm like, yo. Who is it? You know what I mean? Where it's like, yo, who is this? <laughs> but finally, I got connected to this man, and I'm like, yo, he's actually one of the dopest individuals I've met in the city. He's someone that's doing something dope right now, and actually, I'm really excited to have this brother on the, on Activated Podcast today to talk about um, how he's kind of leading a digital revolution in D.C. right now. So um, yeah. let's 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 give a round of applause. Let's do some snaps for Mr. Uh, Lafayette Barnes. Oh man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> smooth. Glad to be here. Glad to be here in the presence of you guys. Bad, bad, bad. Man, so um, before we get into who Lafayette Barnes is and um, what you're doing in the city right now, um, because I think as people, as our audience kind of hears what's going on, they're going to be like, oh yeah, all right, cool, cool, cool. Uh, we're going to catch you up on some current events and uh, things that we've been checking out right now. So um, right before we started, uh, mm -hmm. Lafayette brought up a great point. Um, because actually my favorite song right now that I'm rocking with and something that you want to bring up as a current event is actually uh, right in mind is that Ashton Travis has dropped a track yeah. after for us in the know in DC and that was on Howard's campus like that's like a really big thing um, so Lafayette give me your perspective on, on that drop right now <laughs> yeah no I think um, he's got a hit with this one Death Row is like a really smooth song I mean Ashton from going to Howard I always knew he was like a super talented guy uh, we worked together on a few different projects and i was always looking forward to his music coming out and i was just so surprised that he just was on hiatus for so long mm -hmm. and uh now uh, i think it is uh what i'm not sure what the record label is but they came out with this mixtape undisputed and he has this track on there death row and i'm like man let's let's get it like what do we, you know how can i how can i help you know what do you need me to do like let's 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 kill it you know um ash and travis coming out with this song is definitely like for me, it's kind of like a, a full circle moment of just like seeing people work hard and like put in like their work in the game and put their skin in. Cause like, I mean, like I'll tell you straight up right now, like for a long time, I was like, I'm not gonna listen to your mixtape. I'm not a, I'm gonna <laughs> listen to your mixtape kind of cat. Yeah, I mean, like somebody else has to give me a buzz. But like Ash and Travis was one of the first cats when I got to Howard. I was like, you know what? I'll check you out, young buck. I see you with your ladies. Mm -hmm. And I'll check you out, dog. <laughs> the music was actually fly. Um, the music was actually, I hate to say actually fly, but like the music was dope. 
And then like he did, he whatever from Howard kind of went on the music scene for a little bit, and like you always wonder like yo where did he go? And like he ran with uh, Travis Scott for a minute. Um, Travis Scott went and did his thing. He was like yo where's Ashley Travis? And mm-hmm. I I followed him on Instagram like for the longest, yeah. and you just saw like this like creep hours like yo he's in the studio but with who? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's in the studio but doing what? So um, you know I'm I'm congratulations to the brother for for putting out a track. Uh, the track bangs. The song is called Death Row on the Undisputed mixtape. Um, but it's actually a Def Jam uh, mixtape, so like okay, a yeah. Def Jam like collaborate collaborative joint. So um, y'all should check that out. It's on Spotify, um, just like mm-hmm. Activated is on Spotify, which is probably where you're probably listening to this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Moss, what you been checking out lately, dog? Man, this week has been kind of kind of crazy, bro. I haven't been tapping into a lot of content. I've just been digesting a lot of design work. That's what I've been up yeah. to, man. So I actually use this one app. But I, where it takes all your different tabs, what you have, because if you look at your fucking tabs that you're working on, I got like 300 tabs working on all the time, right? I don't even close the window because I'm yeah. scared to tap. I'm gonna lose yeah, the tab. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm gonna send over some of these apps that I'm using that just like take everything in one tab and then break it down to like a Google Drive, just like you do do on the activated oh. drives. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing, man. I've been trying to consolidate the type of content I'm looking at. Trying to get it focused and narrowed down. So, yeah, it's one of those work weeks, man. It's a it's just like <laughs> late nights and you know trying to crank out this work. That's what's up. You know, I really appreciate you for not dropping the name of the app because uh, we're looking for sponsors. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> no free drops. No yeah. free drops. <laughs> Yo, but check it out. Let's uh let's get right into it. You know, um, as we mentioned, Mr. Lafayette Barnes is in the house today, mm-hmm. and um, you know, let me I'll let me give you an introduction and introduce the audience to what you're doing because. Um, as we think about cultural platforms in uh, the newspaper, the digital age, and how we get our news and what influences us, um, there's so many ways that we get our information, whether it's from social media, it's newspapers, it's websites. And what you've done in working with the Washington Informer, which is uh, a black newspaper that has been in D.C. for many, many years, I think 55 years, this mm-hmm. anniversary coming up, and now you've created the bridge, you're kind of like saying, you're kind of taking a stance of saying like, yo, there's something culturally resonant with news and the information that we need to get, but it also needs to reach an audience that is about to make decisions for our community next. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like you've taken a strong stance on that. You've taken a, a move to get that done. And I want to say kudos to you because I like what I see. Thank you. But uh, yeah, man, let's, let's learn about the story about who you are, where you come from, what are these platforms that you're working on, and then let's talk about the culture in DC, what you're doing for black yeah. creatives. So, um, once again, Mr. Lafayette Barnes, how you mm-hmm. doing today, brother? <laughs> Man, I can't complain. You know, if I did, you wouldn't want to hear it anyway. So, <laughs> Straight up. you know, but I guess, you know, getting into me, um, I'm just, I'm a creative local entrepreneur from D.C., born and raised, born in Southeast, um, Mississippi Avenue and, um, and, and, and Wayne Place. And so where I grew up, it was very dangerous, a lot going on. And my family um, had a newspaper in Southeast, uh, the Washington Informer newspaper, which is, uh, as you said, 55 years old today, started by my grandfather. And so, you know, between being on Mississippi Avenue and seeing what was happening there, then going up to MLK and going into the office and seeing all the great people that were coming in there, I just had a really like wide view of, you know, what was possible here in DC Mm -hmm. and the ability sort of to see the connection between success and 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 failure you know mm-hmm. through through that um through that environment uh the newspaper started by my grandfather calvin rollark who was like a civil rights activist in dc 
He had a lot of influence here. He helped um, when Bob Johnson came to DC to try to, you know, work uh, with Congress um, to start, you know, his own black television network. My grandfather had a big role in that to help him get that across with my grandmother, also Wilhelmina Rolark, who was on the city council. Um, and now, and then once he, once he uh, passed, he had, you know, gave the paper to my mom. And my mom has been running this since she was probably like, I don't know, maybe 20 some years old. And um, neither of us really have any training in like media or, you know, writing or right, anything like right. that, you know what I'm saying? But, gotcha. you know, it's just a family business. So we, you know, we put the best foot forward. And, you know, on the other side of it, you know, my name Lafayette was actually from my dad. I'm the fourth. Okay. And so my dad, granddad, great granddad, all named Lafayette coming out of uh, North Carolina. So, you know, they taught me the other side of it, which is like just to, you know, be a man of dignity and to have principles. And my grandfather's very religious. My dad raised me in like these like Afrocentric, you know, style yeah. environments, concerned black men. And like I, we learned about Kwanzaa and all this stuff yeah. growing up. So I've always had this like black pride, you know, I wouldn't say black power, but black pride. And so, you know, having a, a African-American based newspaper and growing up in that type of environment, it's just natural that at some point I would come back and and play my role you know mm -hmm. so that i think that's really dope how like it's a family business the washington mm -hmm. informer you know um i come from a family of entrepreneurs and it's important you know when i know you you know like when you have a family business it can take over the family when everybody's pitching in and getting those things done so it's really powerful to see um, your family did that um tell me more about how do we get to the bridge you know mm -hmm. where did well, where, let's let's take it actually a little bit back how did you get involved with the Washington Informer? What was like your first interaction in getting involved? And then how did you branch out and create the bridge? So my first involvement probably was the day I was born. You know, <laughs> like, they probably had newspaper cameras in there, like taking pictures of my mother giving me birth. So, <laughs> you know, I've been involved from day one. I mean, my first memories were like as a child at the office setting up, you know, using the, the printer paper to make like basketball hoops yeah. and just oh, wow. being like a pest around the office and all the employees being like, this kid, you know, <laughs> get him out of here, we're trying to get work done. And, um, you know, just observing what's going on, like just going to the office and just seeing my mom work, seeing everybody work. At some point I got interested in photography okay. and um, I found like a camera around the house, started shooting, thought I was good. You know, yeah. so I went to the informer, went to my mom and said, oh, I want to be a photographer for the informer. And I showed her some of my photos and then she showed them to the other photography staff. And they were just like, uh-uh, bro, like you, you really need some help. You need to get it together. You need a real camera for one. This camera you're using, this point and shoot is not going to work. So, you know, luckily, um, you know, we were able to put some money together, buy a camera. And I started shooting for the paper. Um, first, just like small events, press yeah. conferences, stuff like that. And. You know, that was my first foray into working for the paper, like getting a paycheck, actually. Nice. Um, and, you know, it just grew from there. Like, I started from photography. I started doing a lot of video work. And then from video work, I started doing a lot of graphic design. This is all in my spare time um, while I was studying marketing at Howard University. So at some point, they were like, oh, can you do an ad for us? You know, just little things started coming in. I would help out wherever I could. Um, until the point where I sort of felt more comfortable to say, all right, well, how about I have some ideas as far as strategy or how about mm -hmm. I have some ideas as far as, you know, a media plan, you know, larger ideas. And, you know, my mother, I think she was very slow to accept my ideas just because as 
a young person in DC, I was like all over the place. Yeah. So, you know, I might have ideas, but I'm not there to, to, to do them or, you know, she calls them drive by ideas, which I think, which is a quote, you know, it's something that I've um, taken into, into my life. But, um, you know, finally, I think um, I worked in Alexandria for five years as a graphic designer. That really like helped me to be more confident in my yeah, design yeah, yeah. and just understanding how business worked. And, you know, once I did that for a while, I was like, all right, this is enough for me. Let me come back and bring my talents over to the informer. And since then, um, things have been going well. The bridge actually is five years old. So me and my cousin, Raja Kelly, who's um, from DC also, great guy, I don't know who knows him, but shout out to Raja. Uh, we had an idea a few years ago. We had a company called Sham. And we threw like really dope parties in DC, had like all the amazing DJs and, you know, really feel like that was a time when DC was a little bit more open-minded as far as this partying goes. We used yeah. to do things at the warehouse loft. Like they used to let us stay there till like 7 a.m., 8 a.m., you know, it was like party all night. It's a different type of vibe, almost like a New York vibe yeah. um, for partying. That shit now. Exactly, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> 12 o'clock. Yeah, nah, they're shutting everybody down now, you know. We got the gentrification coming in, you know, they don't want people in the streets that late, especially in Union Market, so. Oh, man. Um, so yeah, we started this idea of the bridge. I worked on the logo. We did like one edition and as, as you tend to do, you know, we tend to get sidetracked. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I started running over here, he ran over there and we stopped doing sham and, mm. you know, we sort of just like had it a falling out yeah, and everything just sort of fell by the wayside. But my mother thought it was such a great idea. She was like, no, I don't want to stop this. I'm gonna get somebody else to do it. Even if y'all don't want to do it, I would get somebody else mm -hmm. to do it. So she found some other young folks in DC who were interested in journalism to take over the bridge and they did it for about three years. Um, I don't really think that they had like the sort of design and the, um, I guess professional, you know, approach to it. You know, it was more like a community paper sort of change from edition to edition. Like there wasn't really any sort of uh, theme going, you know. So that everybody knows like the bridge right now is living and has in the past lived on the Washington Informer page. Right? Exactly, exactly. So they were trying to build out that voice within the larger one, right? Exactly. So, so the Washington Informer, as we said, is a 55-year-old business, and a lot of their audience skews toward 55 years old and, and up. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very historical. So, you know, what the bridge intends to do is bring a millennial, you know, a youthful audience um, and to refresh the idea of you know, news in Washington, D.C. So, you know, me and Raj, I started the paper. Uh, we, we sort of fell off. I ended up working at Alexandria for a while. Um, realized that, you know, started seeing the paper coming out and just being like, you know, yeah. I think it could be a little bit better. Or, you know, I wish it just looked like this or looked like that. And, mm -hmm. you know, I was like, all right, well, I just need to go back and just just get this thing together. And was there anything, was there a spark in terms of like a piece of content that you were just like, man, I need to use the bridge to make this happen. Like when you thought about, hey, you want to get back into it. Well, Is there a specific topic or like an area of interest? I mean, just, I mean, honestly, one thing that happened to me is my parents sent me to a military school when I was in my senior year of high school, a, mm -hmm. a boarding school. So when I was down there, it was like, I didn't have any connection to DC. Like nobody yeah. there was from DC. I didn't know anything that was going on and being like fully a DC and person, like, yeah, DC. fully immersed yeah, in DC. It was like, I was disconnected. Then I, straight from there, I went to Florida A&M University, which oh, wow. I, I spent like a year and a half there before I transferred back to Howard. And um, so I was just wanted to like know what was going on in, in the city. And I wanted to see my yeah. people shine. 
And, you know, I just felt like that was that was sort of the motivation behind the bridge, like just to put your city to on. showcase okay. people, yeah, let people shine. And so when I saw that, like, when I, when I, I've always been like in the streets of DC, like you say, you saw me on a bike, you see me everywhere. So I'm always like connecting and meeting people. And I'm just like, these people deserve to be, you know, to be, you know, highlighted. Right. And there's all these sites out here like Hype Beast and blah, 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 Hasnabiety. And I look at like their sites and I sort of look at it from a strategic temp standpoint of like, what is the point of this site? Okay, yes, they promote, you know, street culture and, you know, fashion and blah, blah, blah. But I also realized that like there's like this, um, the people who own the site, they have like, an, I don't know, this is my... Uh, it's my conspiracy theory, but I feel like they have like some connection to like everybody that they work with. Like all the people that are on Hype Beast are like their friends or like yeah. friends of friends. It's not necessarily like they just are venturing out and trying mm -hmm. to find cool people. Right. It's like people that they're really connected with. Because if you look at the owners of this brand or the owner of that brand, you'll see, oh, they're both, they're all from they Japan all from or something. Yeah, exactly. They all went to school together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I felt like, you know, DC deserved to have something like that. Um, That's super dope, man. I, I, like I never thought of it that way, but it's exactly right. Mm -hmm. So, um, how did you, I like everything you just said, how did you get the name The Bridge? Like, what does that mean? So, The Bridge, you know, a bridge is something that connects two pieces of land, um, but it also connects ideas. Bridges can be, a bridge can be a word that is just used to connect things. So growing up in Southeast, I mean, I don't know if you know, if you know about the city, you know, to get to Southeast, you have to cross bridges. You have to cross the South Capitol Street Bridge or whatever, the 11th Street Bridge. I'm not sure all the names of different bridges, but, you know, certainly South Capitol Street Bridge is the one that I used to cross yeah. um, coming from Southeast, like Anacostia Metro Station over to Southwest, which is um, where the National Stadium is. And, you know, crossing a bridge just meant like crossing into opportunity. So coming from Southeast, which is like a food desert, you know, opportunity desert, yeah. coming into Northwest or coming into the rest of the city and seeing like all these things happening, you know, yeah. I was like, wow. Like, and a lot of my friends from Southeast used to tease me because I went to school uptown yeah, and, you know, I'd be on the other side of the city all the time. Like, nah, I want to, you know, I want to experience something. I want to, you know, have fun. I want to hang out with my friends all night or whatever. And then in order to do that, like, it's really dangerous to do that in Southeast. When I used to go yeah. trick-or-treating, I used to go uptown and go trick-or-treating. Wow. So... Um, you know, that was really the theme for me when I thought about what the bridge could be, like a way to connect these two sides of the city or to connect these two audiences. So like yeah. I said, the bridge, the informers audiences skews older. And I was like, you know, that needs, they need to be connected to the youth. Right. You know, there's a lot of things that need to be connected here in DC. There's a lot of disconnected things happening in DC. You can come to DC and think it's all about the government and realize when you get here that it really has... It's really not all it's about really the government at, government at all. Right. Like that's only maybe one percent, or you know, ten percent of what goes on here. The other ninety percent has nothing to do with the federal government. So, right. you know, just wanted to connect connect people. What I like about that is, um, we talked about this before, is the physical kind of connection of the bridge, but also what you're trying to do with the new digital platform that you're going to be able to launch for mm -hmm. the bridge, and be able to connect people online, and then also being one of the first only like black owned newspapers and digital platforms here in DC that can also make that bridge connection with different types of people as we're going into the whole topic of gentrification in the city, in the city. That's what's really exciting for me about it, man. And I know that we're working with you, um, you know, in the future to get some of that digital stuff out. Mm -hmm. um, you know I mean? Is there anything on the horizon that you guys are looking to do in terms of your, of your online platform that you're, cause we connected on 
through all lines. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's how, how that's how we got connected. We saw you riding your bike, but then we also hit yeah. you on IG. Yeah, no, I think um, you know the digital space is where everybody is nowadays. Yeah. I mean, you got to be in a digital space, and that's where all the money is too. Like when I worked at Alexandria, you know, we started. I worked on. I worked there. We were rebranding the 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 brand of the city. So it used to be called like Historic Alexandria. We changed it to, um, what did we change it to? Um, I don't know, like, uh, yeah, Visit Alexandria, but um, Extraordinary Alexandria was our brand. We changed it to Extraordinary. And the point of changing it to Extraordinary was to to highlight that there was like this diversity of culture, even though it was like very limited, you know, but to try to like highlight that, you know, there's many more options than just the history in Alexandria. And so, you know, seeing that rebrand, you know, seeing the digital spin, seeing the money that was being spent. Like initially, we were spending about sixty percent of our money on print advertising and forty percent on digital advertising. Where when we came there, when I came in for the rebrand, I saw that we switched over to spending eighty percent of our money on digital advertising and twenty percent on print. And so, you know, as much as I love print, you know, I grew up digital. I grew up on digital. You grew up digital. And um, I understand that that's where the money is going toward digital. Yeah. It's 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 great because you can measure. You know, you can measure your impact. You can use those measurements to change. You know that your approach, and that's just something you couldn't get with print. When you printed an article, you know, you just hope people read it, and mm-hmm. you know maybe people sent letters in or whatever to let you know, um, or it got picked up. You know, somebody else used your content for another article, but otherwise it was really hard to track uh, what was going on in print. So certainly um, digital presence is like at the forefront of what we're trying to do. Yeah. Um, but we are a print newspaper and I really think that that's the, the basis of what we do. Uh, we want people to be able to, to physically you know, touch the paper. Here's a question for you. Have you guys ever gotten like any like pushback from like your loyal audiences or like has anyone said like, yo, what's going on with this? Or like, what, what are y'all talking about? Because I, I remember, um, so like, when y'all came into my peripheral, I showed it to my parents. My parents are very Afrocentric. I grew up celebrating Kwanzaa. I have my school photos. I'm wearing a kufi and a dashiki. Mm-hmm. So I put my I put my parents onto this, and I, I'm showing them the bridge, and and they were like, "This is cool, but like explain to me what is what this is or what mm-hmm. I'm looking at, you know?" Because they they love the Washington Informer and the news aspect of it, but when I tried to say that, you know, this is like a black millennial cultural presence that's tying into what's actually going on in the city. I had to explain that. So, like, has it been lost on any of the older generations, or has it been lost in translation, or have you dealt with like that? Has that been a challenge for you? Um, I mean, I've gotten like nothing but support. Everybody's been, you know, very supportive about what we do. But certainly, I do think that there is some issue with translating our culture and you know uh, older folks' culture. Uh, they don't really understand the language. You know, we have, we speak a bit differently, and we like to write sort of how we speak. Yeah. Um, you know, traditionally, most newspapers are written in um, two different style formats, and it's very strict. And magazines sort of like, you know, went away from that format, made it a little bit more uh, open-minded, and then now you have your blogs, which is, you know, anybody right, can write whatever they up, want. Right. And so, you know, we do have, um, we do run our, all of our articles through the editorial staff, the informer, you know, they, they capitalize black and, and the B in black, you know, they make yeah. sure that, you know, there are certain style things that are going on. Um, but otherwise, you know, we pretty much like to speak, you know, how we speak. And I think, um, if anything from the, from older folks, I mean, I've just realized that, you know, 
they don't know what's going on with us for real. You know, Absolutely. they don't know what's happening with us. They don't know that you know they see us not wearing suits or they yeah. see us you know not waking up at nine, not getting to work at nine or whatever, and they think like you know we're in some we're fantasy or something like that. You know, but I mean the, the things have changed. Real work. Exactly. Real. <laughs> they don't think it's real work, but you know they realize it's real work when you when the money starts coming yeah. in. Yeah. You know you realize you know you you get those checks in they're like wow and then you're getting bigger so checks they than, they, than they ever got. You know because they're just like. Go ahead, wear a t-shirt. No yeah. matter as long as that check is yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They they understand when the money comes in, and they and they see it. Like they see like, like Facebook. You know these these guys becoming billionaires, or they see yeah. like Instagram or whatever. They see all these platforms coming up that they don't really understand, but they know people are making money, and they're just like, you know, why can't you do the same thing? You know. So, um, I think you know initially, you know, people didn't really understand what we were trying to do. You know, they just thought, you know, okay, cool, this is cute type of thing. You know what I'm saying? Where after a while. You know, they started seeing the the impact and seeing the success that some people have gotten from being featured in the bridge, yeah. and you know, then now they're much more interested. Now, you know, a lot of the staff, the former, you know, skew older also, and I think at first they didn't really understand what was going on, but now they're like trying to, you know, see how they can be a part of it, or how they how they can help. So I really do appreciate that, and it hasn't taken a lot for me to like. I haven't had to, you know, you spend a lot of time trying to translate that. Like most people, you know, it just takes them a few editions and they and they get it. You know, and I think um, some of the stuff that we grew up on, like MTV and like um, VH1 and a lot of these shows, like they might not even appeal to like the older audience because they just don't understand the format. It's sort of all over the place. There's a lot of colors and there's a lot of filler stuff. And like they, you know, I think um, the older audience that that I connect with, they they just didn't really understand that. But I think I think I think they're understanding it now. I think we're good. Terms of the addition, yeah. man, it's cool because what I've seen a lot of like a big trend is I mean you guys are a paper newspaper, right? Mm-hmm. Physical papers, yes. you have a distribution list, you you know, people are engaging with your content physically. Yeah, we press seventeen thousand papers a yeah, month. So this is dope. Wow. and I think there's a trend going back to that, right? I know the digital platforms yeah. is where the bread's at and that's where you should be able to scale it. Mm-hmm. But there's something about holding a paper and there's something about it not having 300 ads in it and mm-hmm. it's not colorful like, you know, like an actual magazine mm-hmm. that's like the gloss that makes that content come out in like in a different way. And mm-hmm. I think that can translate perfectly with the older heads in terms of like, hey, we're reading this, mm-hmm. but then the new generation is also reading it in the same way. And I think it translates differently. Well, it was the same way with like podcasting. Yeah. I know when I introduced the folks, I was like, yo, I'm doing this. Like I say, like oh, I'm doing a podcast. Anybody, like, what the hell is podcast? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I have a radio show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, all yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's coming back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you know, um, old heads like yo, they love. So you know, my first podcast was called The Spooks by the Door, and old heads love my podcast because it was really getting down to like yo, what are millennials thinking about what's going on? Right. It's like, and I just remember the conversations. It was powerful to have the conversations with my people, but to have the conversations with the older generation and be like, yo, this is what's going on now. And for them to say that ain't nothing new, young blood, mm-hmm. or like you know, mm-hmm. this ain't this ain't this is how you can go about it. This is how you can think about it. Mm-hmm. It actually opens up that space for those conversations to be had. And so, like the Washington Informer and the Bridge stepping into bridge that gap is only empowering the future. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. I mean, I think what you said about like old folks saying that that ain't nothing new. That's something that we I learn more and more every day. Like. Yeah. Every time, you know, we got Black Lives Matter, we got, um, you know, we protesting Gucci, we got everything going right. on. And, um, you know, the old folks are just looking at it like, bro, like we did the same thing, you know? Right. And, you know, I think, um, actually I just came back from from Alabama 
um, for the for the anniversary of um, a Bloody Sunday, which is when um, Congressman John Lewis and Martin Luther King and and other folks walked across the Edmund Pettus Bridge to protest voting rights, and you know it was, they were attacked and basically you know I don't know I want I don't want to say massacred because nobody I don't think they they didn't die but you know it was just a lot it was, yeah they were beaten beaten pretty badly that day and. Um, so going down there and seeing that experience and seeing all the museums and everything that's associated with that, you know, they have this one museum that um, goes from slavery to mass incarceration and it just shows you like, you know, basically how a lot of the same um, tactics are being used today with mass incarceration as they did, you know, during slavery and the civil rights era. So, you know, you can just see the writing these stories in the bridge, getting reviews, you know, getting getting feedback. You see a lot of stories of people saying that, oh yeah, we did that same thing. Right now we have, we work, so we're doing a lot of our um, photo shoots out of uh, a, a, a studio space on 52 O Street. Shout yeah, out yeah. Um, Dio and Capital City Collective. Yeah, 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 the R-Hype, check it yeah, out. Yeah, R-Hype, that's the homie. Um, and so, you know, I was talking to one of the OGs at the Informer, um, Roy Lewis, who's like a, a OG photographer. I mean, if you not if you ain't heard of him, look him up. He's like super dope. Um, but he was saying when he was, young like my age he used to work at a 52 o street studios and oh, they wow. used to you know do shoots in there and like they did something amazing that like ended up getting um exposure from dc government dc government like bought all of their art or whatever and that's like was like some of their first art in like a lot of the dc government buildings out here oh, wow. and so you know it's just like you know seeing the connection from here to then and you can learn a lot from the past so you right. know like we write about now and then we learn a little bit about the past and now we can like change our strategy going forward. So, I mean, I definitely think there's a connection between the past and the present and, you know, the lessons that, you know, we've, we've all learned. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, here's something else I want to bring back kind of from the beginning of the, our conversation today. But you mentioned how when you got into photography, the Washington Informer was kind of right there to help you hone your skill. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think it's just beautiful that you can take an interest and just apply it to something and it's there and you're parents and your family is able yeah, to it's very special it's a special thing and like i see when people have those opportunities what comes out for them so how is the is the bridge and the washington former kind of supporting those creatives and supporting people that want to get into those ideas because i know as i look through the people uh who've written for you guys i've seen my homegirl has written for you guys mm -hmm. seen another one of my homeboys yogi the shooter shot photos dale shooting photos for you guys 52 old street getting involved so like how are you all like really uh, tapping into helping those creators, but also going down to the youth and giving those opportunities? Like, are those are those things happening as well? So, so as you said, there's a lot of people involved in the bridge. So first, I want to shout out a lot of the folks involved with the bridge. Yes, sir. Right. So we got my man Carnegie, great photographer. We got Claudia Watts, great writer. Uh, Marco K, great photographer. Lynette, Alexis, Sam, um, my man Jamon, Jordan, um, Sean Cooper, Yogi. Moni, Lena, everybody who's contributed to the Informer, you know, has been doing a great job. Everybody is, um, you know, from D.C. or maybe went to school out here or came here to to write and learn about black culture. D.C. is a place where you can learn about black culture. A lot of people yeah. come like wherever they're from, like they don't know, even though they might be black and their parents are black, like they never learn about black culture or what it's like to be in a place where it's a majority black city. So. You know, the Informer has always been a community newspaper. We've always like just taking people off the street and giving them opportunities. Well, growing up, I used to not necessarily like that because I used to be like, who are these people? And you know, like, 
why you know we could be making a lot of money but we're spending money you know on people making mistakes or whatnot you know giving people chances that i didn't necessarily think deserve them um and we still do that to this day but i understand the purpose of it now um you got to give people chances you never know you know where people may come from um i was listening to um i was listening to uh what's my man uh i don't know i was listening to breakfast club and one of the guests was talking about how you know you 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 shouldn't like make a scholarship or something based off like people's gpa like you should say like hey like oh you need an opportunity like here try it out that was um killer mike it was killer mike yeah Yeah. killer mike so you know you're just saying like you know you should be able to give people a chance if they have an interest give them a chance and so with the with the bridge like we don't really have any like sort of you know uh tests or anything that you have to go through yeah if you if you if you show up and you want to work then we'll put you to work. We pay, you know, nothing. We're not, nobody's volunteering here. You know, everything's paid. I mean, we did have some people that were volunteering at a certain point. And I appreciate those folks too. You don't get me wrong, but um, we like to pay, you know, our, our creatives and, you know, we like to give people a chance. And I think DC has like unlimited creatives. Like we have so many people out here doing great things that are actually dope. Um, and so luckily the bridge has been able to tap into that um, mostly through Instagram, People would just find out about us and hit us up. We get like DMs every day about somebody who wants to write or um, somebody you know who's interested in shooting or working on social media, whatever it may be. And so it's really been a community affair, you know. To be honest, like I started on my on my own. Well, I started with my cousin, but when I got back into it, I just really did it on my own. Like we had a few writers that were left from the previous um, staff or not generation, but. The guys that was running it when I was working at Alexandria, like right. they had some folks that stayed on to write. Um, the the publisher or the editor at that time, she ended up moving back to North Carolina. Mm-hmm. She's from North Carolina. So um, I had some writers when I first started and I tried to like use them, but I realized like over time I was gonna need way more writers. Like I might have yeah. three writers. We have, you know, publishing six stories, you know, three writers gotta do two articles. One person doesn't work, then you know, we don't right. we don't have we missing a lot of content. So you know, I sort of realized that we need like unlimited writers, we need unlimited photographers, we need to just yeah. start creating like as much content as possible, and then we can pick and choose what can go in the paper at, at that yeah. time. Yeah, and speaking of your content, man, mm-hmm. I, what I really like about the bridge, and I think it's a testament to you know your growth, um, is the kind of content that you guys actually have in it. Right. It's not your world star fucking overused hype hashtags that yeah, everyone's yeah, yeah. talking about, it's like you know, local creative stories about people that you know, in a community that should be highlighted. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that's a, that's a testament to why people want to work and hit you up on the DMs and they, they mm-hmm. want to give you that kind yeah. of content. Yeah. Um, yeah, we want to be super local. Yeah. That's, 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 that's the plan, like to be super local. You know, me sort of being the, the gatekeeper of the bridge, like mm-hmm. I can, I, I've been here my whole life. You know, I know if you if you here or not, you know, I know what you're about. Maybe I ain't met you before, but like I can get the vibe, you know, or I or I can refer to somebody who can refer to you. Right. There's like six degrees of separation. There's probably like three degrees of separation right. here in yeah, DC. Yeah, yeah. So true. you know, I can I can get connected with people pretty simply, um, and so you know that's what we try to do. Just tell the stories of people from here, you know, that are that are doing great things here. There are a lot of people here also that I call the um, the diaspora. You know what I'm saying? You got a DC diaspora, like people from DC move. California, New York, yeah. wherever, and become great. I mean, my brother, for instance, my brother DB Bantino, shout out to him, moved out to LA and is like crushing it in the music out there. Um, working with Scott Storch and 
working with Dark Child and a, and, a, and a bunch of dope folks. And so I think that, you know, there are a lot of people that move from DC that, you know, are are high up in the game and in, in whatever industry they're in. And they deserve to have their story told. A lot of people think, you know, you got to leave DC to do things yeah, or like there's really you know. no opportunities here or people here are, are just like, you know, sort of one type of way. And so, you know, we've learned that there's so many different types of people in DC and so many opportunities here. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. So um, I want to talk to you a little bit more about like the digital space and kind of what you're into and like where you see things going, like just from like a content perspective. Cause like we're all into cool things. Like, I mean, like keep it funky with the audience. My man says showed up fly every time that I've seen him. <laughs> you there fly, man. Circle glasses. <laughs> I was looking at Ricardo, I was like, yo, I think it's cool as shit. Yeah, smooth the laser joint ones on right now. <laughs> right, appreciate it. You know, laser joints, but yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, I come from the ilk of when fly guys like that show up, you know, you kind of have to compete with it. Like, you know, like, it's like when a cat like that show up, it's like, man, I got Man, we used to Joan when I grew up. We used to Joan, man. You ain't want to come outside. My parents never. My parents put a cap on my spending sixty dollars. I can't. Oh, I can't God, have anything that was life, over sixty dollars. So I was wearing Payless shoes, everything growing up. You know, the Akeem, Everybody had the Jordans. I had the Akeem Olajuwon's. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, you know, once I had the opportunity to to hold it down, like to 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 get a little fresh, you know, have my own money, I definitely made sure that that was a priority for me. You know, here's um, a funny story for you. Um, so I I told on the audience before, like. Um, I came up selling CDs, selling candy in school and everything. And I used to actually, um, I mean, I used to, I used to have to hustle and get the discount stuff from Fuller Mills. So I used to go and get my joy, my uh, G unit, my academics, my rock mm-hmm. from over at Fuller mm-hmm. Mills or whatever. But I remember um, I wanted the Flint 13s, um, Air Jordan joints, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember I got like a smooth 160, like saved up some cash. I was on eBay bidding, finally got a pair, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And my silly ass, Asked the dude, yo, yo, can I like mail you cash? Oh, no. Nah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you got got. <laughs> oh, man, I got got. Oh, I got got, bro. <laughs> I literally like man. went to that, like, I licked it, you know, put the, wrapped the money in like a two envelopes, put that joint, never got them lift right back. I'm sitting here emailing, like, yo, can mm. I get my shoes? Can I get my shoes? Yeah, nah, that's classic right there. That's a classic. Uh, classic got Brad. It's a rookie. Move. I've heard that story before, bro. <laughs> you said the cash out? <laughs> I said yeah, the cash nah, out. I'm not even like 13, 14 years old. Sitting in front of that, yeah, I'm on LimeWire, like on eBay at the same time, like, oh, yeah. Fuck. Mm. Yeah, that's a tough one right there. I can't say I ever got got with the shoes. Um, <laughs> But I probably did get got like when I first started trying to get fresh because I wanted to get Iceberg, and like Iceberg was hella expensive back then. Like, and I, you know, I was I wasn't I wasn't on that level, but um, definitely went up to New York and, and cop some bootleg Iceberg, you know, a few times. <laughs> so you know, I ain't, I ain't, I don't I don't hate on the dudes rocking the rocking the face and all that. Do what you do what you gotta do, you know. Yeah. Speaking of New York, man, do you guys have any plans to expand the bridge up there at all? Are so DC any? Uh, well, the bridge is DC based right now, but we do have. You know some ideas. Um, some of the ideas are to expand the bridge to other cities. You know, but we we feel like we need to spend some time, a lot of time here, establishing ourselves yeah. and getting really the idea um, more solid before we move. Um, but you know, I have a lot of family in Chicago. I got a lot of family. Like I said, my brother's in L.A. Okay. I got family in the South. I got family all over, and I feel like everybody I've presented the bridge to has always been excited about the idea and trying to see like how they can. You know support or get it in their city yeah. so you know that that might that may come up in the future maybe like a chicago bridge or you know brooklyn bridge or whatever um that's that's definitely a possibility and then hopefully 
you know, if things really work out, it might not happen in my lifetime, but maybe there'll be, you know, uh, a Nigerian bridge or, you know what I'm saying? Like it could be international. So, you know, it's basically just telling the stories of youth in their city and, you know, just giving the people who have been marginalized, like a, a, a platform to, you know, be at the same level as, you know, your celebrities or your stars out here. So it's dope that you can do that online. I mean, you don't mm -hmm. have to have the physical paper in New York, right? Mm -hmm. Like I mean, you can geotag any New York borough and yeah. just push the shit out of it yeah, yeah. to see if people like it. But I know you guys have just a new um, a new edition that just came out, right? Mm -hmm. A couple months ago. Is there, is there a favorite piece in there that you uh, that you that you yeah, kind of were behind? So we have two great pieces actually. We'll, all the pieces are great. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's, the paper is only twelve pages, so it ain't but so much right. as you can get per month. But it's good though, um, man. Like succinct. Yeah, it's, it's they, concise. You know, concise. You know so it's a nice. A nice train ride, you know what yeah. I'm saying? You learn yeah. a lot about train the city Ooh, I like that. and yeah. follow some <laughs> folks. Yeah, you ride from um, from Fort Totten down to Anacostia or something like that. You yeah. might read the whole paper, follow a few people who got to, you know, you know, make your life a little bit um, more more interesting. Mm -hmm. So um, I guess in this edition, I really like our story on District Dodger. You know, he's a um, super dope visual artist here in D.C. I really um, inspired by like his work yeah. and, you know, his impact and, the, and his approach. You know, that's really something I like. A lot of people are so quick to be, you know, go viral or to, yeah, right. you know, just like do something for attention where like he seems like he's very, you know, principle oriented, which right. I which I respect. And then also um, now that we're here at Eaton, you know, it's good that we discuss um, Deirdre Darden, who's the director of arts here at Eaton. Absolutely. And we did a story about her. Um, Deirdre Darden, um, I guess what we say, she's like the the princess of the, of the art world. I forgot what the, the name of the, the title of the article was, but She's definitely amazing, and um, it's it's so crazy that uh, her older brother, we went to school together, Doug, and you know I used to be at their, their crib all the time, and you know Deirdre was always there. I, we never really like connected well, right. but you know as we've gotten older, you know everybody's. I'm glad to see everybody jumping into you know jumping two feet into you know finding their their pocket exactly, mm -hmm. and um, you know it's just an, it's just a great story. That story, Deirdre's story, has like been. When you look at our analytics, like the back end of our website and who's reading what, like that story is going through the roof. I mean, it's breaking records as far as the stories that we've um, published in the past. So certainly um, that's a story that you guys might want to check out. Awesome. Yeah. That's dope. Well, yo, let's, uh, let's wrap this thing down. Let's get into our quick fire round. All right. Uh, this is always mm -hmm. a very fun uh, time of our conversation. Mm -hmm. We like to cater our quick fire questions to every guest that we have. So you mm -hmm. might not get the same thing every time. But um, we got some, we got three hot ones that I think you're gonna really rock with here. Mm -hmm. So um, first, I want to know your top five DC legends. Now, a DC legend can be someone in politics, someone in music, someone in culture, just someone that like, yo, that was a cool cat that used to run the streets around mm -hmm. here. So let me hear your top five DC legends. And to break it down to five would be disrespectful <laughs> to be honest, but you know, uh, if I had to pick five, I mean, obviously you gotta have Chuck Brown in there. I mean, Straight he's up. just like the guy, like. A lot of things we have in DC we wouldn't have without him, uh, and then obviously Marion Barry, like he just, you know, he's my idea of, of opportunity. Like, yeah, I grew up. I had a summer job with Marion Barry. You know, I just my parents were friends with him. Like his brother and like the rest of their family lives like in my neighborhood in Southeast. Wow. So they were always like really like core community folks. Uh, you know, the things that the trials that he went through. You know, smoking crack or whatever things like that. I wasn't even really judging him for that. I'm yeah. like, bro, like if you from the hood. And you you want to you know relate to your uh you know your base. Your, your base you know you might gotta you know hit hit the crack pipe once or twice, 
Um, you know, but don't spell crack for the kids yeah. out there. Um, and yeah, then legislation coming soon though. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Legalization of marijuana now, you know, all this is sort of, you know, I, I would say, you know, his expose, his ability to just like become, be like a, 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 a punching bag, you know, for all that, for, for the folks, uh, you know, we've, we've, we've been able to have some uh, success, you know, through Marion Brave for sure. Um, obviously, I got to put my grandfather in there, Calvin Rollard, even yeah. though he's not from DC, like he's, he's definitely a DC legend. Absolutely. Um, you know, there's a couple buildings in DC named after him. There's, you know, like, um, a bunch of places in DC that, you know, still um, show him love to this day. And um, he was a civil rights activist, um, started the Washington Informer newspaper, started the United Black Fund, um, started the I, Want, I Love Life, I Want to Live campaigns. A lot of people, if you talk to folks probably 30, maybe 40 and up in DC, they probably, you know, they all, they all are hip. You know, they went to DC public school. Um, and then of course you gotta have my man P.D. Green in there. I mean, yeah. just like super dope. Um, journalist and you know revolutionary from DC, and I don't know if he's from DC or not. I mean, I'm not really up on my history, but I gotta I gotta throw Frederick Douglass in there. I don't yeah, know, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Just cause he like, yeah, he got the crib here. You know, he's the he's the most photographed person of like that that era. Yeah, like he knew what he was doing, and so like you know, being young, you know, they take you to all these historic sites, and one of the historic sites that you always remember is going to Frederick, Frederick Douglass, Douglass House, house man, and just being it. like, bro, like this dude had this mansion on the hill. What's up? Yeah, this mansion on the hill like this, you know, during this time, like, yo, like, you know, that lets you know that, like, you could do things, like, you know, like, whatever they say can hold you back. Any, at any point. Exactly, yo, at exactly. Any point. I, I, that's one of my favorite sites in the city, actually, and, like, the thing that always stood out to me was that, like, yo, he would walk from there all the way downtown to, like, go and do his thing, but he's like, yo, I'm coming back over here. Yeah. And, um, yo, special shout out to that video that they show at the Frederick Douglass house. Like, yo, DC heads know, it's like this old, like, documentary flick about, um, Frederick Douglass and they have an actor wearing the jacket Frederick Douglass mm -hmm. probably because he's getting back but the number one part that stands out is that day he goes agitate and he's like telling the person like he's walking off he's like agitate mm -hmm. agitate yeah. <laughs> agitate yeah. he's like yo don't little, you forget it's a little scary like, <laughs> but yeah 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 for sure <laughs> alright so check um, one thing you love about DC one thing you hate about DC let's see if you hit the so what I love about DC so I love I love the the blackness you know to be honest um I've done a lot of traveling. I've been like, you know, I haven't been to Asia, but I've been to, I, I haven't been to Australia, but you know, out of out of the other, I've been to all the other continents. And actually, I gotta take that back. I haven't been to it's Antarctica. That's a continent, right? I haven't well, been that there. Comes up every time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got you. So, yeah, 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 yeah. I've been to a lot. Of, I've been to a lot of places, but like that. And um, I see, you know, I never, I never, everywhere I go, I don't really see like, you know, black people running shit. You know what I'm saying? And I think, I'm sorry if I can use that type of language uh, here. Yeah, but um, I just don't see black people running things. And like growing up in DC, you saw black people running things. It really, really gave you an idea of that, like you had a certain sort of power and a certain sort of pride and a certain level of importance. Like, yeah. you know, being a, being a person in DC. And like I said, I just came back from Alabama and I was talking to some folks out there who, you know, they've never seen black people in power, like right. ever. Like they're just like, what? Like you had a I had a black principal, I had a black teacher, I had a black mayor, you know, I had a black congresswoman. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, That's my, my mother was owned the business was black, you know, my grandfather, you know, you know, owned the business was black. Like these people had influence in the city. Like my grandma my grandmother, my my grandfather's second wife, uh, Wilhelmina Rolark, she was on the city council here in DC. Mm -hmm. So my dad ran for city council three times. So um it's just like, you know, I just there's a certain level of black pride here in DC that you don't get, you know, anywhere else in the, in the United States. Maybe Chicago, but maybe not. 
Um, and then the thing I hate about DC, um, there's not really many things I hate about DC, but I would say just like the gentrification, like it's just like it's just overwhelming. I mean, it's like if you follow me on IG, my IG Lafayette for L A F A Y E T T E I V. That's my personal Instagram. If you follow me, you'll see that like I walk around DC like uh, two three days a week and just photograph like construction. Like there's just construction everywhere. Like construction sites all over the place. Places that. One day you went there to get a sandwich. Next day you go there, it's a hole in the ground. Like literally, like in a day or in a week. So you know, it's just so much gentrification, and it's almost like they're like covering up our history, or you know, just trying to replace us with like this cookie cutter building looking type of stuff. And I just, you know, I don't really like it. I mean, I like the fact that there are a lot of things coming to the city. I like the fact that there's diversity and opportunity. Um, but I wish, you know, it was. Sort of, there was more inclusion uh, with with Washingtonians. Look at what cost, you know what I mean? Like, exactly. All these things are great, but like, what's the cost? And right. no one's keeping an eye on that, or keeping keeping that alive either. Yeah, shout out um, Treyon, um, Ward Eight Council Member for like shout making Trayon. sure that you know folks are getting, you know, being a part of this because I mean, a lot of times all this stuff just happens like in the in the in the darkness of the night. You know, yeah. you wake up in the morning, the store is gone. Like you don't, they don't tell you what. They might have sent you an email, but. You know, a lot of folks, especially on my side of town on, in Southeast, like they, you know, we, we don't have that type of access. We're not checking our email every day. I mean, it's so crazy. Like the 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 median income in DC is like almost a hundred thousand dollars, where the median income in Ward Eight is thirty, like thirty thousand dollars. Exactly. So it's like, you know, all the gentrification being designed for these people who are making all this money, and then like in a whole ward, like a whole section of the city, and it's only don't eight sections. Yeah, they're not even they can't even compete at all. So you know, it's definitely like a miss. You know, miscommunication, or I, I'm not Something's sure what the word is. In, yeah, yeah. Translation on that one. Exactly. All right, last question for you. Uh, and you're also every episode that someone has said gentrification. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean that's what it is. It's the it's the it's the biggest thing in, in the yeah. city. Everybody's talking about it. All right, so check this out. I, I think this one was a uh, might be a tough one. Your first mixtape drops. What's the title of the mixtape? <laughs> My mixtape? Oh, mixtape. I'm rapping? Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> if I got a mixtape, it's called a, uh, well, actually, so we actually did have a mixtape, and it was called the Southeast Anthem, and um, there was a real uh, Southeast Anthem, WPGC, I don't know, or KYS, I'm not sure who did it, but that was a big deal, but when I was young, we used to have, like, me and my homies around the way, we used to have, like, a little rap group, and um, yeah, we called ourselves um, SEC, Southeast Crew. And you know we had a little southeast anthem and like so I would I would just continue that like for real I would just keep it going like yeah bring it back (laughs) southeast southeast anthem and um but yeah that's that I mean I got to rhyme I got to rhyme my spit you know what I'm saying but I'm gonna say that for the exclusive audience you know what I'm saying y'all got to come to the studio and catch that I got paid for that shit that's a nine nine set track yeah straight up well yo. Appreciate you, brother, for coming in. Appreciate you rocking with us today. Uh, this has been a really dope conversation uh, for us. Tell us uh, where, give yo, uh, give us a drop. We need to know where can we follow you? Where can we get Washington Informal? Where can Absolutely. we get the bridge? What's coming mm-hmm. next? Like, tell us, tell us what, what the deal is. So you can follow me online, Lafayette 4, as I mentioned before, L-A-F-A-Y-E-T-T-E-I-V on Instagram. Also, that is also my website, Lafayette4.com. Um, so, you know, if you, if you're interested in, you know, having, having a freelance videographer, photographer, graphic designer, whatever, those are the things that I do, you know, to make money in the spare time. Um, for the bridge, you can follow us on Instagram at WI Bridge DC. 
Um, and that's pretty much Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all WI Bridge DC. And our website is being developed in association with the homies over here, Candor Labs. Um, so that'll be WIBridgeDC.com. But right now, it's under construction. So don't look that up right now. Yeah. Give, give, give us a second, you know? Give us a minute. Give us a minute. Um, the Bridge newspaper, the physical paper, you can find that inside the Washington Informer newspaper on the last Thursday of every month. Um, it's delivered all over the city, probably over 100 locations in the DMV. So um, you can check um, our web. You can check the WI Bridge DC Instagram, and you can click the link in our bio, and it'll give you all the locations where you can pick up the bridge. Um, I would say, um, if you're interested in the advertising, or you know, you want to partner with the bridge, you can always DM us on Instagram, or you can send us an email at info at wibridgedc.com. And um, if you have any questions, feel free. I mean, we're we're open minded. We want to tell people's story. We want to um, you know expose what's going on here in DC. So, you know, don't be scared. Don't feel like there's anything, you know, we're not bougie over here. We regular folks. So, you know, hit us up. We're going to make sure to tag all that online and make sure that the Eaton pushes out too. Eaton's website's coming out soon as well Dope. with all of this live content. Um, ben, I appreciate you, bro. Yeah, no, hey, always, the Bridge is a super, super dope publication. You guys got to check it out. Um, and we'll make sure to push the links too once it gets live. Man, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. But check it out. This has been Activated. It's your boy, OG Baca. It's Randy Wolfcastle, Laffy Taffy. Yeah. I'm going to call you that. <laughs> That's what they used to call me anyway, Someone called you Laffy Taffy yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. I actually said that shit yesterday. I was like, I, was like, I wonder if, you, if someone ever called Laffy Taffy. Yeah, elementary school days. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, man, we all have those ones. But check it out. We'll catch y'all next time. We're all live right. at Eaton. Holla at us. All right. This podcast is powered by Candor, a digital production lab based in Northeast D.C., we help you build powerful marketing content, connect with your audience, and grow your business. Want to become a content expert? Swing by our studio on the Arts Walk in Brooklyn. Or check us out online at candorlabs.com. That's candor with two A's.